hanging out in the Kia Studios. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game at JMCH316 at DD Lewis for real. Let's uh, head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to my friend Chris Goforth as he is live in Nashville SEC Media Days. And, um, of course, Chris, Lord Saban was uh, front and center today. How was the the crowd, the throng of people? I mean, obviously, you know, it's a whole different atmosphere in Hoover when Saban shows up and, you know, there's deities and, you know, the the Pope is there and, you know, everything else. But what was the crowd like with uh, Saban today? Uh, John, I will say this. Now, today was the first day that I have actually seen fans in the lobby of the hotel. Um, and I haven't seen that for the last year. You know, I thought there might be a couple of people here with it being in in Nashville. I thought maybe there would be a couple of people here for Clark Lee and Vanderbilt the other day. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't see anybody. But there were a couple of people. There were a handful of folks uh, when I got in this morning. Um, around, I guess, 8 o'clock Central Time, there were, you know, uh, maybe a dozen or so that had gathered. But that's been the first um, uh, that's been the first time I've seen fans, which, and you're right, it's much different than Hoover where, you know, they would hold, um, you know, there, there would be a, uh, a large group of people that would chant Roll Tide and whoop and holler uh, anytime Alabama was, you know, an Alabama player or, or Saban was seen. Well, maybe it's because Harvey Updike is no longer with us, um, so we don't could be see all that. So Chris Goforth is on Twitter, by the way, at Chris Goforth one as he joins us here from uh, Nashville at SEC Media Days. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, Chris, because you know next year, obviously, the SEC, like a lot of these conferences, is going divisionless. You know, and uh, you know, again, the, the old saying is, you don't have to be one, just be number two. Right. I mean, and, you know, I wonder, you know, look, there's no doubt that Georgia is the top dog in the conference. And I don't think they're stepping off that pedestal anytime soon. I don't care what everybody else does around. They're the big dog right now. But, you know, at at times there has there have been years where Alabama's just completely kicked the crap out of everybody. But there have also been times where Alabama has gotten into the SEC title game because, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but they beat the right teams, right? I mean, they, they, they found ways to win the right games on their schedule. And, you know, I, I wonder going divisionless, you know, if, if teams start to feel like that maybe there's an opening to, to, you know, get, you know, break into that top two with Georgia and Alabama. I wonder if, if that's kind of the mindset that, you know, again, not this year, but certainly going into next year, if teams maybe feel like, mm, okay, maybe there's going to be an opening here coming up in the SEC. Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to be determined on how the schedules fall. You know, A, do we stay with an eight-game conference schedule? Does it go to nine? Who are your permanent opponents going to be? And what does that rotation look like? So that, you know, if you're, um, you know, let's say a Missouri, who does your who are your permanent opponents going to be and how many years can you get away without having to face a an LSU or an Alabama or a Georgia over the next, you know, four years or, or whatever. So I think that's going to have something to, to do with it too. 
and I still don't know that they they really know what this thing's going to look like going forward. That eight game schedule of conference play that's just in effect for next year. Uh, they'll have to set this up again come 2025. And it's you know a lot of people think that when we by the time we get to 2025, we'll end up being at nine. SEC conference games, but you're right. It's going to be a race to get up there to be number one or, or number two in the conference. I think it's going to be strange. I I like the divisions. Um, I think it's going to be strange when it goes away and there's a, you know, this is, I mean, gosh, between the transfer portal um, and the, you know, name image and likeness and the changes that are happening there, the SEC doing away with divisions the SEC moving away from CBS after this year, Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference. There's just so much change right now in college football that's either happening or is going to happen in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's obviously the biggest change in my lifetime. I think, the, I think the only other time was, you know, in that era where the NCAA got defeated in the Supreme Court for opening up TV contracts, and then they right. started. Then they then they went to um, what was it a uh, th- then when they went to the scholarship reductions when they actually put what was it right. eighty three scholarships in place right I mean where where, right. Ala- where Alabama couldn't just load up hundred and forty kids you know on their oh, roster yeah. just to keep kids away from everybody you know I think those were the two big sea changes in my lifetime until now I mean you know now right. it's like. Now it's like, you know, again, it's – I don't want to say it's it's becoming professional, but, you know, again, they're, they're being treated more like adults than at any other time in the history of college football. Well, and to that point, John, Nick Saban said it today when he was asked about the transfer portal. He said, I use the transfer portal the same way the NFL uses free agency. He mm-hmm. said, we're going out and pl- using it to go out and plug holes. I, I talked with Bill Hancock the executive director of the college football playoff. And, and he kind of drew parallels between college football and the NFL in terms of the playoff system and, and the changes that are coming that way. So I think you're right. I, I think the, the comparison there to some sort of professional model, whether it's the NFL or whoever, probably pretty accurate. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Chris, we've, we've talked for years on the college football show, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been a fan of free agency. I, I've always been a fan of, you know, for lack of a better term, free agency in the world of college football because, again, if coaches can do their thing, why can't players have some yeah. of the same freedoms and stuff like that? So I, I, I love that part of it. Um, Sam Pittman, uh, another guy that we love, um, you know, got, uh, got a chance to speak, uh, you know, today. So, you know, they're going to be an interesting team because, you know, obviously they, for the last two years, They've really gotten off to good starts, you know, both in their uh, non-conference schedule and, you know, starting in their conference schedule. But, you know, it's been two years where they fade down the stretch. And, you know, a couple years ago they got to number 10, I think, and then Georgia drubbed them. And, you know, again, they've been there kind of on the cusp, but it definitely feels like that they have to at some point kind of finish the same way that they start. Yeah, I think that's been the I think that's been the the, the issue for them. I think part of uh, the problem for uh, Arkansas too is going to to be able to stay healthy. I think what kind of maybe separates them from some of the better teams in the conference 
I think one through 11, Arkansas is pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, Sam Pittman does a, a good job. They have an identity. You know who Arkansas is. The problem is when you have to go 12 through 20 or 12 through 22 on that depth chart, I think that's where Arkansas finds themselves running into some problems. Yeah, and, you know, look, um, they've got their quarterback back this year with K.J. Jefferson. You know, arguably, he's one of the probably, I don't know, maybe next to Jaden Daniels, he might be the best returning starting quarterback, you know, in the conference. I mean, you know, again, those are those are big things for, for Arkansas. I mean, it may not be the same, you know, when, when you talk about a returning you know, quarterback. I mean, that's always big when when you can start. You know, at that position. But for certainly a program like Arkansas, when you've got a guy that's got that kind of skill set and experience, like those are big deals for for programs like Arkansas to be able to return a guy at that kind of level. There's only five uh, teams in the conference this year that are bringing quarterbacks back. You you mentioned two. Um, you know, of course, you you referenced Nick Saban being here today. That was one of the things that Saban said. He said, we are, we, you know, there has not been any separation between these three quarterbacks, and we don't feel the pressure uh, right now to be able to name anybody the starter. So that battle is going to, uh, going to go on. I think two of the more interesting things to watch today, or at least in the conference this year, will be Devin Leary coming over from NC State and the impact that he can have and then Graham Mertz coming from Wisconsin and the impact that he can possibly have. Those are two guys. Now, and I know Leary was hurt part of last year, but two years ago he's played a lot during his time at NC State, and Mertz has played like 2,000 snaps at Wisconsin. So the impact those guys can have coming in at Florida and Kentucky, um, I, you know, I think that's going to be one of the bigger storylines to watch, especially as we try to figure out what this conference is once you get away from, you know, Jaden Daniels and, and K.J. Jefferson at quarterback. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Chris, because when you and I were here at, uh, at SEC Media Days last year, you know, we you and I kind of just talked, you know, to, to one another about, you know, some of these coaches that are – in the conference, I mean, whether it's Shane Beamer, who's going to speak uh, tomorrow, I guess, um, whether it was Mark Stoops, I mean, you know, I, I know it's got Saban and, you know, Kirby, but, boy, when you look at just even sort of the mid-programs, the Sam Pittmans, the, uh, you know, um, uh, the guy from Tennessee, um, the guy in my brain. Just, Josh Heupel. Yeah, Josh Heupel. I mean, there are – and Mark Stoops. I mean, there are some really good coaches – at some of these, you know, mid-level types of programs. And, again, I, I know that kind of probably sounds like it's a shot, but, you know, again, let's face it. I mean, nobody's Alabama and Georgia right now. But, right. You well, know, look, at, look, look at LSU with Brian Kelly. Right, right. I mean, just there, there are so many, so many good coaches through that middle layer of the SEC. And, you know, like I said, you and I kind of joked about it last year just – you know, gosh, I mean, you want to run through a wall for Shane Beamer or a Mark Stoops or guys like that. I mean, they, these guys, these guys are really good coaches, and it will be interesting to see because I love De- Devin Leary. I mean, I, I again, you, you know, I was on the NC State bandwagon, you know, last year. Oh, I know. I, I thought, yeah. that, I thought that they could really be some until you know Leary goes down, and by the end of the year, they'd played six quarterbacks. I mean, so again, right. you're, you're not going to win at college football playing six <laughs> quarterbacks, but. 
But, uh, you know, again, it, it is going to be fascinating. And obviously, Will Levis was a high draft pick. So Leary's looking at a situation like that. But there's a lot of good coaches that players want to come play for through those mid-teams. Yeah, and I think the, the, the thing is, is, you know, how do you rank these coaches now? You know, obviously, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, however you want to put them, are going to be at the top of that list. I think Brian, uh, Brian Kelly at LSU is going to be up towards the top. And, and then you get down to those guys that, that you've referenced in, in the Josh Heupels and the Mark Stoops and the, uh, and the Sam Pittman. The two guys this year, when we talk about, you know, the possibility of the hot seat at the end of the year, um, Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. And the other guy for me that and, – and he talked a little bit about this indirectly today, but it's Billy Napier at Florida. Yeah. And one of the things that Napier talked about, and, and the cut is there if you want to play it tonight, but he talks about the difference in being a group of five head coach and being a power five head coach and how the recruiting cycle is escalated when you're at the power five. You've got to – be able to evaluate and determine whether or not you want to offer a kid so much quicker at the power five level. And he said, that's one of the things they've had to adapt to, which I think really has to make you a little bit concerned going forward with Florida and Billy Napier, who's a Georgia kid. I hope he, you know, I'd love to see him do well there, but I think there's some real red flags around that, uh, around that Florida program. Well, and, you know, again, I know he was an analyst uh, at at Alabama, and I, I think what he coached, um, I think he coached their wide receivers for for a few years. But you know, he's not he's not necessarily an, an SEC guy, and, and and we talk about this all the time that you know the SEC really loves to hire their own guys. I mean that they they you know it's almost incestuous. I mean they once you get in the SEC coaching circles. You know, you really find a job for life. I don't care if you're Will Muschamp or anybody like that. I mean, you you always land on your feet. Mike Bobo, you know what I mean? Again, guys right. guys always yeah. land on their feet in the best conference in America. You know, Napier is a little bit of an outsider. I know he did, you know, coach, you know, again, he wasn't an assistant or a coordinator, you know, at Alabama. But, you know, he does come from kind of more, you know, his, his main coaching positions are at – at smaller schools or, you know, again, like at uh, Arizona State, right? I think he was the OC for Arizona State uh, for a year or two. So, again, he's kind of almost like an oddball from, you know, that standpoint that he's not a lifer as an SEC guy. Yeah, I think the two, uh, you know, the two hires that come to mind immediately where you go outside of the region and you bring in guys and it has worked exceptionally well both times has been at LSU. Uh, they went and got Nick Saban, who really he didn't have ties to the Southeast. No, and Nick Saban was a was was a, a Midwest guy. Yeah, and they bring him in, and we know the success there. Same thing goes with LSU again. After going with kind of the homegrown guy and and Ed Orgeron, now they go get another guy that I don't think really has ties to the Southeast or the SEC in Brian Kelly. And I think so far, so good uh, with Brian Kelly. We'll see what this year holds, but. You know, it seems like there's certainly a program that's trending in the right direction. But you're 100% right. I mean, um, 
you know, they, they definitely uh, – it's very incestuous, you know. Oh, yeah. They, look at Kevin Steele, uh, Alabama's defensive coordinator. Yep. What is this, two, three times? He's been – he's a Tennessee guy, graduated from Tennessee, has coached at Tennessee, was there with Fulmer. He's on his second stop now with, uh, with Saban, and he's been – heck, I think he was at, uh, he was at Auburn uh, recently. So, he's another guy that's – you know, knows knows his knows all the barbecue joints in the southeast from all the stops that he's had. You can hear Chris Goforth as part of our pre, post, and halftime show on Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at Chris Goforth One, and he is in Nashville covering SEC Media Days for ninety two nine The Game. And join me here on the WaitFor.com hotline, Chris, my friend. Appreciate a few minutes of tonight. Uh, we'll try to talk again tomorrow and. Uh, you know, see what uh, what else goes on as uh, things start to wrap up in the SEC. Sounds good, man. Look forward to it. Thanks, John. You got it. Uh, as always, Chris, appreciate uh, the time. And uh, when we get back from the top of the hour, it will be time for the Falcons flyover, all your daily news and notes about the Dirty Birds. Chuck Reed and Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.